96 of Cowboy Drive for Free the Podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, Philip Slavin. Joining me as always, happy Short Four Tuesday. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going pretty well. It is a Tuesday. Uh, I will get my short pour momentarily. <sighs> Dude, I don't know any other way to say it. It's like, I'm ready for this holiday break. I am ready for the break. I'm ready for the break from work, from podcasting. Um, I'm, I am ready for essentially the next two weeks off. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, Philip alluded to it, but this is going to be the last episode of 2020 for, uh, for Philip and I. We will kick things back off uh, right after the new year. Uh, I think January 5th is roughly going to be when we're going to start recording again. Uh, you'll get an episode either way, but before the end of the first week of January, we'll have another episode out for you. Um, thank you for doing the episode last week with uh, Cody Nagel. Uh, right for National Signing Day. Uh, I appreciate you you uh, taking the reins from me for that one. Yeah, man, not a problem. One, sorry, one second. Yeah, man, not a problem. Not a problem at all. Uh, you know, we're here to back each other up, and uh, it was a really good time talking with Cody. Uh, for everybody who hasn't had a chance to listen to that, we talked about uh, National Signing Day, recapped the class for 2021 that signed. Um, obviously, it wasn't done, as we learned soon after, as Oklahoma State picked up a, uh, a graduate transfer on the offensive line, picked up a center, which was something they, they really needed. Uh, I, I don't think Rice Schneider's coming back, especially with this, this uh, pickup of, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the kid's name. I'm not going to do it. Uh, it's Danny, God, I'll do it, Danny Godlevsky. Okay, that wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Um, now that I'm actually like sounding it out. Uh, Miami of Ohio transfer started 37 games at center. Um, so you had Tyrese Williams back, but this is a big pickup because what that also tells you is there's not a lot of centers uh, here. So a uh, very big pickup, very big for an offensive line group that needs all the help we can get. That said, I did want to note this. A PFF put out there all big 12 team and uh, – was really interesting. Tevin Jenkins was a first teamer um, as uh, and the only one offensive line, but he's not the only one that they get because they did first and second and, and some honorable mentions, right? Um, obviously, Tyler Wall is first team and wide receiver, which yeah. is duh. Um, but if you got to right tackle, Tevin Jenkins was first team. Josh Sills was third. But second team at right guard was Hunter Woodard. Um, I think that is... Uh, that's a really good thing. Left guard honorable mention was Preston Wilson. I, I'll say this. The recruiting of the offensive line worries me. Sorry, it does. But I do think Charlie Dickey has done a good job. I mentioned this. I think if anyone deserves Big 12, uh, Oklahoma State, like internal coach of the year, the job that Charlie Dickey's done this season to keep that offensive line on the field has been nothing short of miraculous. Um, and, and they've got a couple guys, I think, next year who are ready to step up and, and be pretty good. So that's – it is I, – I'm still not sure how I feel about next year. Well, we can talk about that more in the offseason. I've, I've yeah. gone off on a tangent. So. No, I, th- I think all the credit of the world does go to Charlie Dickey for being able to obviously develop Tevin Jenkins, and he's going to be a day-two pick in the NFL draft more than likely. He's a mm-hmm. dude that's going to go early, going to snap that streak of uh, offensive linemen that, have been dra- that are going to get drafted from Oklahoma State. 
Josh Sills. It's still up in the air if he's going to come back or not. Uh, if he does, I feel really good about what the offensive line brings back next year, the combination of the two grad transfers and some of the young developed talent that's come in. And as much as there was some attrition, not even some, there was a lot of attrition on the offensive line this year. That's the kind of stuff that I think is going to end up paying dividends in the next couple of years or over the next couple of years because guys were kind of thrown into the fire and they had to learn how to play in these games right away, even if they maybe weren't ready. But that's the kind of stuff that learning in game, like that is something that you can't quantify. They, that ability yeah. to just step right in and play against not, you know, the, the twos or whatever on defense and practice. Uh, you're going up against the starters on the, off, on the defensive line in conference play and in big games when you really need the offensive line to be able to hold up. And so I think we're going to see what some of that attrition and some of the, uh, some of the lapses in offensive line play this season, it's really going to pay off, I think, in 21 and 22 for this team. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hunter, if you get Hunter Wood back, um, Tyrese Williams and Danny Godlewski, if, if Josh Sills comes back, you've got Jake Springfield, um, Preston Wilson could develop. I, I think they will be – here's the crazy stat for you. Uh, next year, Charlie Dickey is still the offensive line coach. It will be the first time they've had the same offensive line coach for three years in a row since Joe Wickline was here. That in and of itself, that alone should set the offensive lineup for some success next season. Right. Because this, this has been a turnstile at this, at this, as the head coach of this position group. So that is, um, that will be good to see. That'll be good to see. Um, do you, uh, do we want to get to, uh, we talked a little bit signing day. Should we go ahead and get to the interview real quick and then we can, we can come back and talk hoops and things. Yes, absolutely. Um, do you want to talk cheese ball too, or do we want to, We'll talk a little cheesy ball. We'll talk a little cheesy. All right. Well, we're going to go into this interview first. Earlier today, uh, recording on Tuesday, I did an interview with Heath Vessels. If you liked any of the hype videos that call it, that uh, Oklahoma State football put out this year uh, on the Friday before games, any of the video content, the awesome National Signing Day Tech Mobile videos for each player that signed, that was his project. Uh, he is the multimedia producer for Oklahoma State football sat down and talked for a half hour about National Signing Day, the hype videos, kind of the ins and outs of what he does. And he doesn't. He and his team do incredible work for Oklahoma State. So it was very cool to get a guy. And he also went to Oklahoma State, grew up in Oklahoma State fans. And you can tell in his work that he has that passion for the school, which is really cool to see. Uh, but they do incredible work. It's been really awesome to be able to showcase what he does for the athletic department as a whole, but also the football program. And I had a ton of fun talking to him. He's an awesome guy. I think you guys are really going to like this. We'll have a short break, and we'll be right back with that interview. What's up, guys? We have a great interview for you tonight. I'm joined by Heath Vessels. He's the multimedia producer for Oklahoma State football. You have you've seen the hype videos before games, the awesome National Signing Day stuff, any of the video content that comes out for Cowboy football on social media. This is the guy that does it. He's the brains behind the whole thing and behind the camera as well. He does really good work. We want to be able to showcase him tonight. How are you doing tonight, man? Well, uh, good to good to be on, and uh, uh, hope to have some hope to have some fun. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, Philip and I have been you know in awe of the work that you've done over the last few seasons, and specifically this season, you, you did a fantastic job showcasing everything. Uh, I feel like it really got to go on full display. I think everyone really got to see like, wow how awesome the work really was that you do. And I want to start with National Signing Day just because that was so recent uh, last Wednesday. 
the like the tech mobile theme for everything it got a little bit of you know nationwide pop from people that follow the big 12 but don't even that it don't even follow the big 12 you know i know one person said it was oregon state i know that probably stung a little but i digress it you know you got some attention for it uh, where did that idea originate from to kind of do the old school video game tech mobile videos for all the players to sign for osu uh, so why I started kind of working on that about mid-October, uh, just kind of coming up with ideas because it's always natural signing day. Now this the early period is in you know middle of December. It sneaks up on you really fast. So when you've got the season going until you know December 12th or you know sometimes you know even later than that, uh, you can be working on stuff for game day and be doing signing day at the same time. So I didn't want to be caught off hands. Uh, and I wanted to be prepared. So I just started kind of brainstorming some ideas. And one of the problems we ran into as a creative group was that our um, our assets that we mainly use are a lot of hedge, like a lot of, you know, stuff we'll do with recruits whenever they come in is we'll give them uh, a professional photo shoot uh, with some of our staff photographers, uh, like uh, Bruce Waterfield, incredible photographer. You know, a lot of his photos really help drive a lot of our content, uh, especially for signing day because he's the one who's taking all these photos for recruits whenever they come in for like junior day or their official visits, stuff like that. And so with the, uh, with COVID-19, we had, I think maybe five guys who had been in okay. before thrown like a junior day. And so what we had to do is we had to, you know, make up, you know, make composites for a lot of guys. Uh, and composites is basically just a fancy graphic design term for, basically taking a headshot that they had, uh, whether it was at a camp or something like that, and then putting it on a, another player's body that we had. And so we would change out their number so it would reflect their number in high school, do everything we can to make it work as real as possible. Well, that'll work if you have a couple, um, but when you have a majority, when you have 75% of a 21-person signing class, it's going to just, you can tell. And so we were kind of trying to come up with ideas for how to get around that. And so... I had actually thought of uh, maybe doing like a backyard football thing because I had also grown up playing that game. I mean, it was a great game. You yeah. know, it's a great game. If you never, if you don't take Pablo Sanchez with the number one overall, anytime you play, I'm sorry. I just don't know what you're doing. Uh, Same I mean, said for backyard is, baseball too. Like I have a shirt that says goat yeah, on it yeah. with Pablo Sanchez. Yeah. Football, baseball, basketball. He was an incredible, just absolute lights out rock star. And so, so I thought about that. And I was like, ah, I feel like we can do something a little bit better um, or at least a little bit more because that would have been really time consuming and props to Florida State's creative crew because they crushed it. Uh, I'm sure that had to take them months of work and, uh, to be able to pull that off as well as they did. Uh, so I kept thinking about it and it was actually on the drive back from the Kansas State game. Uh, I was walking my footage in the back of a Suburban as we're making our way from Manhattan to Stillwater. And I just finished up, so I was getting ready to start writing the script for um, for the upcoming game uh, that we had the next the following week. And on you know sometimes I'll put on a put on a show or something like that in the background to help kind of uh, you know kind of give me some white noise. And I pulled up YouTube, and one of the things that was recommended was the uh, the Tech Mobile Super Bowl commercial with Bo Jackson. Uh, that came, I think it was like 2017 or something like that. But I watched it and I was like, this could work. Like this could really work. So I looked into tech mobile. I looked at some of like the old like headshots and they were all kind of eight bit and pixelated. 
And with our theme this year, with our like recruiting hashtag, we tied everything back to Barry because obviously he's the GOAT, he's the greatest there is, you know, and with it being the 21 signing class, it just fit. And so while everyone, you know, associates that with Bo, it was also around the time that Barry was doing all of his stuff, making dudes miss, you know, just absolutely terrorizing the league. So it kind of fit that era. And so the more I looked into it, the more I realized it was possible to pull off. And so I found a really cool uh, website that had a lot of tech mobile resources because there's some people who will do mods for that game still, but they'll do like modern NFL players. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so like, they'll like, they'll have little cutscenes where, you know, they'll spike the ball after a touchdown, stuff like that, but they'll have like, people will mod that. So it'll be like the Houston Texans or uh, the Baltimore Ravens, stuff like that. Uh, so I got some of those assets that I needed to pull it off and, uh, the hardest part was um, colorizing the little, uh, what's, what's called sprites, little individual player characters that you see. So I had to do one for OSU and I had to do one for uh, a generic away team. And so I had to colorize those, match skin tones for whatever, you know, player we were doing it for, and ended up with about 200 different uh, Photoshop files wow. from different colorizations and stuff like that. And so for, if like, if they're just running left to right, it's about four frames of motion to get them to run basically from stop to finish. And then it just loops over and over again. So I had to colorize those. And then I basically animated those frame by frame to be able to loop into a running motion or running at an upward angle or, you know, throwing a football, stuff like that. And so I actually took those, put them on a, uh, with one of field, I actually uh, ended up making a full-on uh, tech mobile version of BPS. It had the end zone art, you know, the logo at center at midfield, uh, the Big 12 logos on the 25, the whole nine. A lot more work than I ended up needing to because you couldn't see half that stuff anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I am uh, I'm nothing if uh, a glutton for punishment sometimes when it comes to doing stuff creatively. You know, I'm kind of in the that mode of like, I want to make sure everything's right. So that way, in case I need it, I don't have to go back and redo it. But uh, animating those plays was really fun because I basically just took a lot of home run plays we had from our guys that we've already done over the season and just, you know, turned them out like that. And then uh, converting the guys' headshots into like that pixelated 8-bit look really helped uh, make the look more realistic from a composite standpoint. So when it was, it lost, you lost a little bit of detail, so you couldn't see, you know, the composite look and everything like that. But it uh, it looked really good, like having everything together. And I just took little bits of stuff from Tech Mobile and tried to tie it into uh, trying to make it as OSU as possible. Um, you know, instead of like the NFL logo, just having the OSU logo or our, our recruiting logo, stuff like that. And then meshing it into kind of their – uh, highlights was always the goal to give them the, you know, give them the spotlight and make their, make their, I mean, big day. I mean, cause a lot of this is, you know, pro probably one of their biggest, biggest days of their life up to this point. And so wanted to really do something that would make it pop and stand out for them and give them some more national attention or even local attention. Uh, and I think, I think it went, went really well. And then Jordan Smith, who's our, one of our graphic designers for the athletic department, he made the, like the signing day website and it came up with the idea of using different games from that time period to kind of give them a individual kind of custom look. Uh, and it was just, uh, I think it turned out to be a really, really good 
um, kind of cohesive look that I'm glad got some attention because we put in some hard work and it's fun getting to give our signees a lot of recognition because I think it'll be a special class. Yeah, like I mentioned, it, you know, you got some national buzz from different websites and different pundits that follow college football. But I feel like it's more important, at least in my opinion, to get the, you know, for the guys that you were doing the videos for, the guys that were signing with Oklahoma State, for them to love it too. What kind of reception did you get from those guys, if anything, like their families, you know, their teammates or coaches? Did you get any any feedback from those guys of what they thought of the videos? Some of the guys on staff that the, that the kids really loved it. And that was one thing I was a little worried about because even, even technical for me, I was born in 92. So I still, I knew about it, but I never played it as much growing up. I, I played, you know, uh, Super Mario and stuff like that on my dad's NES, but um, the kids seemed to like it a lot. And that's what really, that's what matters to me the most is if, if they think it's fun and think it's cool. And from what I've heard from, from the staff that, that reached out to me that they, they really enjoyed it and they thought it was fun. Uh, some kids like the retro look and think it's fun. And then others, you know, it's just kind of a little different. So uh, I, I, if they liked it, then that's, that's, that's all it is. That's what it was. Uh, that's what made it worth it for me. So that's, that was a lot of fun hearing that they, at least some of them enjoyed it for sure. Well, one of my favorite things at least is when, you know, on social media, like around Friday night, you know, the night before an Oklahoma State game, we get like that little minute and a half, two minute hype video that you put together. This year, you had a little bit of a twist with the narration that you added in for that first 45 seconds to a minute. Um, that was written, you had various players, Daniel Cormier, Brandon Whedon. Like, it, it was really cool to see who it was going to be. And you hyped it up every single week to where I was like, please, I just want to know who this is going to be. And I don't want to have to wait. <laughs> but take me through the process of getting that because you, you know, you did one for every single game. So, you know, the game ends on Saturday and then I'm sure right after that game, you're beginning to get the next one ready. If not even before that, um, what's that process like to go from starting it to making sure it's going to work and it's going to fit all the clips, getting the narrator in there and then final product. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad people have enjoyed those. Uh, those have been a, a labor of love for me this year. I, I really, it's probably one of my favorite parts of my job. Uh, getting to do those. And so I started those whenever I joined on in, in 2018. And when I joined on 2018, I joined on pretty, like pretty much halfway through the, uh, about three games into the season, I think it was. And so I didn't have a lot of time. I just kind of went with what was, what we had before. And then the so last year was really my first real life season, you know, to be here. And so still kind of getting my feet under me, but this past off season, I, I really wanted to try to punch that up because I felt like there was, some stuff we could just improve on and uh, going through a lot of different programs, uh, Ohio state, LSU, South Carolina. I mean, a lot of programs that have really, really good creative teams. I noticed that with a lot of their pre game, you know, trailers and stuff like that. A lot of them did have uh, one of the common denominators was uh, narration. And I think it really helps with providing it as a storytelling experience. Um, not just uh and providing some guidance for the excitement and the hype to go with it because if you just have you know a bunch of you know really fun trailer music and some clips it's fun for but you kind of lose that interest after a while so that's why they were only about a minute but with these the narration kind of gives a little bit of a theme to each game and provides uh just kind of a little bit extra storytelling to take place and so with those uh after i kind of looked through what some other programs did i tried to 
tweak it so that way we could so it could be kind of to fit our brand and so uh to start out the season you know one of the biggest legends in uh Oklahoma State football is Brandon Whedon so I figured why not start there he lives in Edmond he was uh he had come up last year to do some stuff with uh with Dave Hunziker doing some breakdowns of games and stuff like that so I reached out to him and he was very very helpful so I sent him over a script and uh he did a phenomenal job he did I mean that was awesome he is so good at that, and uh, it was just really fun to get to work with him, especially because I was a student at the time that he was playing, so it was just kind of a fun way to kind of interact and kind of come full circle for me. Uh, but he did a great job with that, and so uh, I realized how much fun those were, having that extra you know, bit of, of flair for those to really hype up a game. And so one thing I did realize I wanted to do was that I wanted to do these with our current players to get them involved in the creative process. So I would type out a script, you know, Monday or Tuesday. Let's just go with like one, like for my, I think my favorite one this past year was the one for Texas. Um, uh, I really, really enjoyed the whole process of making that. So for that, I wrote up the script on about either Sunday or Sunday or Monday. And then I had, uh, I think it was one. Yeah. It was Landon Wolf that came in. Uh, he came in and, uh, I kind of went over the script with him, just kind of like inflections and stuff like that of kind of where I was envisioning the script to go. So he read through it, did a phenomenal job with that one as well. And so at that point, after I get the script read and I get the voiceover, uh, I'll start to lay down music first. Music is the most important part for me in those because they can really help set the tone and set the mood of what you're going for. So for that one, since it was Halloween, I really wanted to kind of lean into the Halloween aesthetic. So I got some creepy music to go into that. And then I laid in the, uh, the voiceover that Landon did to kind of help, help make laying down the clips a little bit easier up to that point. And then once I get that done, I'll start laying in the clips, to either go match up in line with the voiceover that we have for that week or uh, once it gets to kind of the second half, the second half uh, where it picks up and has a little bit more uh, a little bit more pace and a little bit more excitement. I'll use make the clips to match up with the music, so that way it's uh, a better audio uh, visual uh, experience. That way it's not as jarring. You know, if the clip keeps going on and then it randomly cuts whenever the music doesn't, it just provides a really um, rough experience sometimes. And so once I get that done with the laying in the clips, then I'll start doing uh, uh, some sound editing. So putting in radio calls or TV calls that kind of fit what we're looking for. Sometimes I'll go back as, you know, into, you know, 2014, 2013. If I remember a call from that time that fits that, it doesn't have to be specifically from that year. But then after I lay in the, the sound effects and stuff like that, um, sometimes you'll hear pads hitting if it's a really hard hit or one of my favorites are kind of the like getting ready. So the, the, uh, pull of the Velcro as you strap on the gloves. The, my favorite, my snap. favorite is yes, my favorite is the is the chin straps. Uh, you know when they just pull them and it gives that real kind of mm -hmm. like uh, almost zip tie sound. Um, so I'll lay in all those, and then once those are done, I'll start to color grade. And the color grade is probably the second most important part for me, aside from picking out which music you have, because I want to try to make each clip look similar. And it's it can be difficult sometimes if you have a bright, really sunny game like we did against West Virginia where the sun was just out the entire time and our white uniforms were, you know, kind of bleached out a little bit or whatever versus a game like, um, 
oh, what, uh, Kansas. Kansas was overcast the entire time, but it provided really good looks because it was almost like a, a softbox that just kind of diluted the sun and wasn't as harsh. So the trick is to try to get uh, all your footage to match up and look the same. So that can take a little bit of, of, of time to try to make sure that looks cohesive. So that way it's not like one clip is super saturated with color and it's really bright and vivid. And then the next clip is really flat. And so it kind of, that would, that would throw off kind of your visual perception and kind of pull you out of the video. So I want to try to make it as much of an immersive experience as possible. So that way for the full minute and a half, two minutes, however long the video is, you're just, you're dialed in from start to finish. And then once the color grading is done, then I'll add like in the little effects, um, just kind of fun stuff, depending on whatever the clip is, whether it's multiplying a player or making a player vanish, uh, stuff like that. The probably the more time consuming stuff, I want to get that done last. So that way I have time to play with it and I have the whole video done. And once that's done, I'll do a double check to make sure everything's good. There's no error messages or, you know, clips moving when they're not supposed to, stuff like that. And once that's done, I'll format for Twitter and for Instagram or whatever social channel we're focusing it on. And then I'll hit render and video's done. I think my favorite, I think the visual effects in the one for Texas, especially early on where I think you said it was you in the football uniform, like smacking your helmet around doing it. And then like the purge face, it popped it. Like that was, that yeah. was awesome. That was really, really yeah. cool. But I think. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Cause we, that, the story behind that was we were going to, I was trying to figure out what to do for that one, for that part of the video. And I couldn't because I had the, the creepy aesthetic with like the spider and the spider web. I just kind of mm -hmm. found those in a really, really like dark corner underneath the BPS tunnels. Like I crawled into behind an area probably shouldn't have been and probably could have gotten bitten a couple different times. But that's, <laughs> those are some, those are some of the links you got to go to for the, uh, for the aesthetic, I guess, or for the look. Yeah. But it ended up being like Thursday at 11 and I hadn't had this part done. And I was like, I can't get a player uh to do this because it's, it's just too late and so we have a we have a little prop closet up at orange power studios and we basically have just kind of a we have a whole uniform that just in case of emergencies we can use and uh it fit uh i had to make it fit though and uh the the pants made me feel like i was a pillsbury doughboy or like whenever you open those pillsbury cans yeah. and they just pop out that's kind of how i was feeling for a little bit uh, but it was still really fun. My, one of my coworkers, Graham, uh, excellent at what he does. He does a lot of the, uh, like visuals and stuff in the stadium for like, you know, promos, like, uh, uh, just like he did the, he always does the pregame, uh, video before the players run out on the field yeah. and a lot of the little, you know, third down stuff. Uh, he helped me film that while I was in uniform. Cause I was just going to set up on a tripod and do that, which I'm thankful I didn't have to, cause that would have been a nightmare. Uh, but that was just, that was a fun one. And, uh, I'm glad people liked that. Uh, but it was, it, it was a little weird spending, you know, however many years I've been doing this behind a camera and all of a sudden have to be in front of a camera was uh, right. a little, little different than what I was, uh, what I was used to. Yeah. I, I think but my it was, favorite, that was a fun process. Yeah. I think my favorite of the whole season was the one before Iowa state. Or I think, I mean, if I remember right, it was Amen Ogbonbomiga did the narration for it. And he did an awesome job with it. He hit, he nailed it perfectly. But it was like the 
tracking shots in the stadium where it's like kind of like a cloudy, ominous day. Like we're playing Iowa State, playing the Cyclones, like the the weather kind of a parallel in there with everything. It just it it was awesome. I think that was probably as a consumer that was my favorite. Yeah, that that opening shot is actually very much faked. Uh, I, 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 I think it was, but it was it was. I cool. had uh, I had shot that on just like one of the well, I think one of the three days we had this year where there was no wind in Oklahoma. Uh, and did a bunch of different shots at the stadium and stuff like that. And it happened to be just a bright blue sky right behind. And so I just did a little uh, little sky replacement and tracked out the, the edging of the stadium. So that way the skies would fit underneath it. Uh, and that one, it, I, I had to make it quick. So that way you couldn't really tell, but you can still kind of tell. But that was that was a really fun one. Uh, and that's that just kind of plays into the whole like trying to pick a theme for that week so yeah um and that was that was a real that was up there as, as another one of my favorites what was your favorite you mentioned talking with uh, landon wolf getting ready for the texas game was there like a funny interaction that happened away from the microphone or off the camera with one of these players as you're trying to get them to be really serious for this moment to do this narration for your video yeah um I think it came for uh, which one did I have Dylan Stoner do? I can't remember, but basically all season um, I had shown, I had shown one of the, one of the two people I show early is I show my girlfriend first and I show my mom uh, just to see what, what, what they, what they gauge. And so I showed, I showed my mom the first one I did with Brandon Whedon. And the first thing she said was, Oh, I love it. So when are you going to get Dylan Stoner to do it? And so when I, when I finally, I was like, I'll just, I'll get him whenever, whenever the time is right. So I had, I had him finally come in and he did one for, uh, for us. And it was, you know, fantastic. The players crushed it all season long. They did such a good job with it. And afterwards I was like, so Dylan, I have a little bit of a, a little bit of a confession to tell you. And he's like, okay, what's up? Uh, I was like, so all season long, my mom, every time I send her one of these, She'd be like, cool. So when are you going to get Dylan to do this? He's just my, he's like at my favorite guy on the team. And he just laughed and laughed and laughed like the whole time. And uh, uh, he's just like, oh man, I really appreciate that. Uh, that. That's really fun. So I finally told my mom afterwards and she was like, oh, I hope he doesn't think I'm super weird. It's like, no, like Dylan's just like the best dude. So he thought it was, he thought it was really sweet and oh, was very awesome. appreciative of it. So that was that was really fun. I'm glad I told him afterwards because I don't think we would. We we laughed for probably five minutes after that. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if we would have ever been able to pull him back together had I said anything before that to to try to track that voiceover. But yeah. that was that was one of one of my favorites for sure. And it's just it's fun getting to hang out with those guys and getting to know them even better. Uh, but there, it was that was definitely the funniest interaction that I had with uh with, with a player after that. Yeah. It was just really funny. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, my mom loves you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, you, you mentioned when I was, we started the conversation about getting these hype videos together, talk about the narration where you mentioned other schools and you kind of picked the brains, you know, at least you know, the videos of, you know, of these other schools to, you know, kind of take your own spin on what they're doing. How how often do you reach out to other content creators from other schools and vice versa? Have you had content creators from other schools reach out to you and kind of talk about the creative process and what they're doing and you know how you can kind of take inspiration from other schools and vice versa? Yeah, it's, it's really fun because this is a it's a really competitive industry doing stuff doing creative stuff for for sports teams, but the the people behind it are absolutely incredible. And so I talked to. 
I talk to different creative, uh, creative people all the time, whether it's, you know, graphic design or video production, whatever, like always, you know, I like, I like talking to them cause that's how, that's one, how you can make good connections with other people and then, uh, share ideas. And so, um, for me, it's just really fun getting to kind of connect with people that I normally wouldn't, uh, you know, being from Oklahoma, but using, uh, you know, Instagram or Twitter to be able to talk with them about, you know, stuff that they're working on out at Clemson or uh, stuff out at USC or Oregon. It's just really fun to be able to have that opportunity to talk and kind of workshop with people um, and then make connections with people who, you know, you have a vested interest in or similar interest with, uh, with what you do. And to be able to share ideas is, is really fun. So uh, I talk to people like that constantly because that's just how a lot of ideas get shared, uh, whether that's in-house or through social media with these other other creative staffs. And it's just really fun to be able to make those connections and help out or to get help from others as well. Yeah. yeah you mentioned in the middle of this interview as well that you went to Oklahoma State, graduated from Oklahoma State. This first part of the question is going to be, you know, a little simple, you know, just how cool is it to make content that you do for the school that you spent your time at and spent time, you know, in Stillwater, you know, you love your time at OSU, things like that. But also, how does that also drive you to try and create the best content you can because you have such a passion for Oklahoma State? Uh, like you said, it's really cool. There, I have not had a single time where I've been on the sideline filming for a game where I don't just stop and just kind of take in the ridiculousness of my job. Like I, I get to go and travel with the team or be down the sidelines uh, at BPS for every game and at, at my alma mater, nonetheless, that's just a really cool thing that I'm always going to cherish no matter what. Uh, and, but to be able to do that for my school is really special, um, especially because I grew up an OSU fan. Uh, like, like I said, I, I went to school here, uh, graduated in December 14, but uh, my cousin went here. My uncle played here back in the 80s. His name is Barry Hanna. He, had, uh, uh, he played in the 84 Gator Bowl. Um, my grandpa, before he passed uh, a few years ago, had season tickets on the north side of the stadium about oh, 10 rows up from the visitor's bench for every game since the 80s, since my uncle played here. So like my my whole life has been growing up being an OSU fan, and uh, just to be able to work here and be close to home still, where I grew up, and see family. I mean, that's just you can't get any better than that. And it's just it's really just an incredible experience to be able to say that I work for my you know work for my alma mater. And then going to that second part, I think that's what drives it is. You know, I'm a fan at Oklahoma. I'm a fan of Oklahoma State, and I work for Oklahoma State. And I want to do the very best that I can to be able to strengthen our brand, uh, promote our players and their, you know, what they do on and off the field. Um, that that passion for the school, and you know, my passion for what OSU has given me. I want to give that back tenfold because they've given me a, a wonderful life here in Stillwater and growing up. Uh, they've given me wonderful memories shared with my family, basically from the moment I was born to when I decided to go to school here. And it's incredibly special. And so I want to do everything I can to repay that and, you know, 
make a lot of fun stuff. And that uh, that's kind of always been my, my driving force is I want to try to do what I can to give back to a place that's already given me so much. That's, that's awesome. I, I grew up in Oklahoma State fan as well. Went here, still live here, obviously. Uh, so Stillwater's got a special place in my heart. It obviously does for you as well. And it really does show in your work because it, it's been, it's awesome to see. I always look forward to it. it it's been really, really cool. Now we're, you know, we got the bowl game coming up here next Tuesday. Um, after that, what does your off season look like? Is it, you know, just kind of starting to brainstorm stuff you want to do for spring ball in the next season. How does, how does content work in the off season for you? Yeah. We'll start brainstorming stuff for the off season, like, like for spring ball um, or, you know, summer kind of stuff that we want to do there. Uh, a lot of it is helping out with uh, making stuff for recruiting um, for when coaches go on visits to be able to, to be able to provide them content to share with kids, especially since they can't come on campus to try to bring campus to those recruits right. through, through video um, and stuff like that. And so that's a lot of what my stuff looks like. So it's a lot of in-house um, work. So stuff that would go on our video boards or, you know, stuff in our trophy room area or uh, stuff for coaches to use for recruiting, things of that nature. And then uh, a little bit closer to spring ball, we'll kind of decide like what kind of look we want to go for, you know, who we're, um, you know, I guess what's, what's the room, who we're wanting to, not who we're wanting to highlight because we want to highlight everyone. Um, but we're really looking kind of to either what, what did we like about this past season in terms of our look and how can we improve upon the stuff that we did? Uh, so that'll take a few weeks to kind of go through and then um, working with our students um, is a lot of fun because they'll get their, uh, they'll get a lot of practice kind of shooting game stuff in practice. Uh, so that way, once time for the fall comes around, they'll be, they'll be ready to go. And we have a, we have a really good crew of students that uh, work for us. And I just want to give them a little shout out real quick. Uh, Mick White, uh, Aaron Hester, Liam Oram, TC Brewster, Scarlett Gooch and Carter Stanton have been all the students who have helped out with stuff on video production. Uh, without them, I couldn't do any of the fun stuff that I get to do. Uh, they do a great job with a lot of our content throughout the week, um, whether it's, you know, offensive or defensive highlights, um, game recap highlights, stuff like they do a ton of work and they deserve all the credit. Take all the credit that you want to give them and just give it to them because Without them, I would have to do just so much that I wouldn't be able to give any kind of creative like energy and stuff into it. And they are really fun to work with. They're extremely talented, and it's uh, just an honor to be able to work with them and help have them uh, be a part of our creative staff because they they are incredibly, incredibly talented creative people. All right, I have one last question for you here. How hard is it to contain yourself from the time that you see the uniforms before they're released to when they can actually go on social media? Because you almost blew it at the K-State game. And I remember you, you kind of gave every you, – you said that you outdone yourself to OSU equipment or whatever, and I was like, oh, what do we have here? And then you deleted it immediately. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to give – I wanted to uh, – Justin Williams is our head of, uh, head of, of, equip, head of equipment guy. Uh, or our head director of equipment, and he is—he just does an incredible job with those. And so, uh, 
I didn't want to upset him or, you know, spoil the surprise that he had worked so hard on. Uh, and I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I didn't want to build up expectations to the point where people would, you know, think, oh my gosh, and then be let down. But I mean, those helmets for Kansas State were just absolutely incredible. Uh, my, my absolute favorite of the year by far. Yeah. Uh, it's, but to go back to your original question, it is hard, uh, to, uh, to hang in my excitement there. So I'll take like the photos beforehand and it's, it's really fun to be able to do that. Uh, but I mean, it's pretty, it's gotten better now. Like the first time I did it, I was just, cause I was, you know, newly started. So I was a, just a little kid in the candy store, just getting to look at all the, you know, uniforms laid out in our locker room beforehand which is just a beautiful sight to see. But uh, over the years, it's gotten, it's gotten easier, but it's definitely fun seeing. Uh, it's definitely fun teasing people, whether it's with the, uh, whether it's with the uniforms or, you know, with who's, uh, who's narrating a video <laughs> for our game trailer uh, to build that excitement is, is always fun. And that's all I really ever do is just trying to build excitement for fans and for sure. uh, just, just kind of uh, not, not necessarily. Te- yeah. Just to tease them a little bit and kind of be like, Oh, I know something you don't. Yeah. Is, uh, uh, one of one of the privileges of the job for sure, but it's a uh, it's a fun thing to be able to take those and uh, to be a part of the locker room is uh, is really fun. So, yeah, the, those helmets with the Curse of Cowboys for K State was awesome. Only to be one upped by the orange helmet with the Curse of Cowboys for Baylor, uh, in my opinion, at least. And then we saw Phantom Pete come back earlier this year, and I love that. I'm a big Phantom Pete fan. I don't like the slander. I I, I will not take any Phantom Pete slander ever. <laughs> that is. Justin Williams can do no wrong. Him and his uh, him and his student staff are phenomenal at what they do, and they they just they don't miss. No, they, they don't. really don't ever. And it, I think it, it's it's so cool. I know some people, you know, you know, like oh, it'd be better if we were winning more games and blah blah blah. Like it's really cool, win or lose, to see what they pull out because it does like it adds some excitement. It gets people interested. It gets recruits interested, which also matters more than just about anything a fan has to say. So that's, you know, it, it's one of those things that I always look forward to when, you know, whether, you know, we're playing OU or Tulsa or whoever, it doesn't matter. I want to go and see what the heck the uniform is going to be. And it's also a fun thing Philip and I do on the, on our show every week when we do a game preview, we always try and guess the uniform. We're wrong like 95% of the time, but <laughs> it's still fun to think about the possible combinations that we could get. I think I've got, I think I got two right this year. So I'll, I'll take that one to the bank and move on. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. I don't, I don't even Really, only the equipment staff knows, like, well beforehand. I honestly don't know until I have stepped into the stadium, you know, three hours before the game, and I go into the locker room and take a photo. Right. That's it. And then I have to, like, sit on my hands so that way I don't just, right. like, throw something out there. Uh, but it's, it's, a fun, it's a fun little – it's almost like a little mini Christmas morning, uh, 12, you know, 12, 13, 14 times out of the year uh, to be able to walk into the locker room and be like, hmm, what do we have today? And again, never disappoint ever. It's always phenomenal. Absolutely. Well, Heath, this has been so cool, really insightful to kind of get, you know, get into what you do and the kind of the, the behind the operation of all of the awesome content that you've created for Oklahoma State football this year. It's been t- a ton of fun to follow over the last few seasons. This season did not disappoint. You were amazing. You, you didn't miss all season, truly. Uh, it was awesome to follow you and your staff did uh, an incredible job, you know, promoting Oklahoma State football in such incredible ways. Well, I appreciate that, Joel, and I appreciate the kind words, my friend. 
Uh, appreciate you having me on and I wish you the very best holiday to you, my friend. Hey, you as well. You hope you have a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Uh, for anyone that maybe doesn't follow you on social media, plug your Instagram, Twitter real quick. Uh, Twitter, it's uh, Twitter and Instagram are both at Heath Vessels, uh, all lowercase. Uh, Twitter, I have more fun there and crack jokes. Instagram's just kind of more, oh, just dog pictures and uh, <laughs> pictures of uh, pictures of my girlfriend and, you know, fun family stuff. So, uh, whichever one floats your boat, feel free to come over. They're usually really corny jokes almost all the time. So if you're a fan of those, come hang out. All right, Heath. Thank you so much for coming on, man. This was a ton of fun. Hopefully we'd love to have you on again for sure. All right. If you do, just, uh, just reach out. I'd be happy to join up again. All right, man. You have a great night. All right. Good night, Joel. All right, Philip, uh, let's talk a little hoops. Um, not the start to conference play that we envisioned. Uh, after a 6-0 start, and really, even though we could kind of see some of the deficiencies that this team had, felt like maybe the talent level was still going to at least be able to keep their keep their head above water in conference play. That's not been the case so far. Dropped two close games, one to TCU that you needed to win. Uh, that's not a game that you could afford to lose. And then you go on the road, and you fight against a Texas team that's good. And you can take – there's no moral victories. That's a game you still have to find a way to win. With the way that they were able to – keep themselves in that game, but you can't give up a 17-0 run and then expect to come back and win. They did everything they could to come back, but it, at that point it was too little too late. Uh, I think the, the deficiencies that we mentioned that could be issues uh, last week on the pre, or on the previous episode uh, are really becoming just straight up problems. It's not even, it's, it's things that are going to hold this team back. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's look at a couple things. First off, <clears throat> Kate Cunningham leads the team in scoring, of course, 19.1 points a game. Isaac Likely is the only other per player in double digits at 10.1. Next closest is Rondell Walker at 8.5. So you've got a few guys that, that score fair and flavors at 6, 6.1 for Keelan Boone, 6.9 for Caleb. But, I mean, you don't have a – you've got one go-to scoring option that <clears throat> doesn't seem to really turn it on until the game is late and on the line. And props to Kate. I mean, he gets – He's got plenty of gas in the tank come the end of the game, which is great. But I want to see that. Whole, I want to see that for forty minutes, man. You want like to go get the number like, one pick? Like that's fine. I need to see something from somebody else, and I understand this is a lot of freshmen, but like it's all on him. And I do think he's going to have to play even better. Like for this team, if this team is going to make, I'm just going to say it. If this team is going to make the tournament. Because at this point, it's looking more and more like the review process is going to push, get pushed. So OSU will get to play in the postseason this year and probably not next year. The worst thing possible right now is OSU gets to go this year and not next year, but doesn't make it this year. Mm-hmm. And that, has, that was my let-me-be-pessimistic projected-down-the-line fear is that that might happen. And I understand we shouldn't overreact to an 0-2 start. But there's two things that are true. The Big 12 is always good. The top of the Big 12 this year is unlike it has ever been. Mm-hmm. Baylor is a legitimate national championship contender. West Virginia is playing like a legitimate Final Four contender. This is the best Texas has looked since Shock got there. It is actually a – like I made jokes all offseason. I didn't buy into the preseason hype because every year there's preseason hype. Texas looks legit. Kansas is Kansas, 
and Texas Tech is going to keep winning. Like they're a little bit, they're not as, I don't think they're as good as they have been. I understand Kim Palm and all that stuff. I don't think they're as good as they have been, but they're still really, really good, which means that you can't lose the games you need to win. And they're already 0-1 in those at home against TCU. I'm, I know I'm putting the like, I know I'm being negative and I probably shouldn't be, but it's an auspicious start in a season with a lot on the line. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's a lot on the line. It is. And it's not a good way to start. And I'm props for the non-conference. That's awesome. I'm, that's a great six and oh, there's a lot of some good wins. Wichita state saw win Marquette win keeps looking better and better. Uh, you face some teams whose records don't indicate how good they are, which is disappointing because your non-conference rate to schedule is bad because Oakland can't win a game, but they're actually pretty good. ORU can't win many games, but they look like they're pretty good. And they had a big old lead on Arkansas earlier this week and, and blew it. So I think OSU has been tested, but for some reason they got the conference play and played TCU and all the worst things about OSU came to, came to pass. Mm-hmm. You can't shoot the three. They are the worst – Three, they're the worst three-ball team in the Big 12. They can't defend it, which is weird because of their length and surprising to me. And they can't shoot with those. Yeah, it's... I don't... uh, Tell me, tell me, I I think what I need from you, I mean, literally, forget, like, fair and flavors, great. He shoots 80% from the free charity stripe. Cunningham shoots 80. Isaac Likely shoots 66.7% from the free throw line. Rondell Walker, 73. Moncrief is 38. 75 for Bryce Williams. I just, they can't even Caleb, hit free throws. Caleb Boone's got to be right around 70, isn't he? He's exactly at 70.8. And right. Keelan's at 66. That's not, that is not good enough at the free throw line. And I can't hit a free throw to save my life. I also don't have a scholarship to play at Oklahoma State. So I just I, – I always get more frustrated about basketball than I do football. <laughs> I, I do. Well, like, the I problem want is that your intro good. to Oklahoma State basketball was the Final Four team, so that's just <sighs> burned into your skull. Which I get, but I don't get. I don't expect them to be that every year. No, I, don't. I know. But I that, don't. But that you you've seen the ceiling. You've seen the pinnacle right away. You know, I, I would be fine if you had made a Sweet Sixteen in the last decade. Yeah, but that was Final Four was in two thousand and four. You made the Sweet Sixteen in two thousand and five. You've won one game since then. Yeah. It's 2020. You've won one tournament game since 2005. I'm not asking for a lot here, folks. No, no. I'm not. I'm not asking for a Final Four, a national championship, or or making the Sweet 16 eight years in a row. I'm just asking for something to pay off. I'm on a tangent. I don't even care about stats and things. I'm I'm just I'm I am in full blown Oklahoma State basketball fan mode. This is how I get. I am a fanboy for college Oklahoma State basketball. I love it, and I'm tired of this, man. Yeah, I am. 
No, I, I I love having Cade, but do not waste this year. Yeah, uh, and I think that and it, what's crazy is like the things that Oklahoma State is deficient in are fixable. They're co- they're coachable, fixable mistakes. So it's on the it's on the coaching staff as much as it is on the players. I'm not trying to take shots at Boynton right now, because no. at some point you can coach all you want. Dudes still have to go and make shots. And that's not on the coach. At a certain point, it's not on the coach. Like, you have to knock down your shots when you have open looks, you know. And I know people want to just immediately go to Boynton because they want to have their whatever. They want to have their moment because everyone wants to fire every coach at Oklahoma State the minute that there's any sort of attrition, idiots, whatever. But Oklahoma State is very good when they can play bully ball. They have the dudes to do it. And even though they don't have that big seven foot one center that you can go in, that can go in and just bully around, but you have guards that can go in and bang around in the post with Isaac Likely, Kate Cunningham. You have Moncrief, who's showing really good ability at stupid athletic ability early on. Caleb Boone has his moments. You know, play inside out basketball, find ways to get established in the post early. It's as stupid as it is, it's like establishing the run in football it allows you to throw the ball downfield because it sucks the defense in. The more often you bang around in the post, get foul, make layups, it's going to suck the defense in the minute that ball gets within five feet. It leads to more open looks, and you're not having to force the ball around the three-point line and just passing around the perimeter. That's a really simple fix, but that's an easy way for this team to get better shots and better shot selection. And like I said, I, and I don't mind shooting the three ball. Three is greater than two. You make it You make it awesome. And shots will fall by accident at some point. Like some of these shooting slumps that Oklahoma State go into is just ridiculous, especially when they get open looks. Like shots are going to fall by accident at some point. It's going to – it's bound to happen. The law of averages will swing back the other way. It's just the way basketball works. That's the, t- that's, the, that's the shitty part. I think that's what a lot of people that follow basketball in a capacity as a casual fan, when they say, well, why didn't that they, – they can't make shots. Well, they're getting good shots. The shots aren't falling. That's just basketball. Good offense will be good defense, all that good stuff. But I want to see, and as much as I hate admitting this too, Oklahoma City is really good when they play zone. Because of their length and their ability to play zone, they are very effective. And that the best half of basketball they played was when they went into that 2-3 zone against Marquette. Marquette made, I think, 1-3 until the final two minutes when they were scrambling and hit a couple of shots. They went on like a, I think they missed 15 or 16 consecutive threes when Oklahoma State was in that zone and it confused the crap out of them. I like the man defense that Oklahoma State's able to mix in because they have guys that can lock dudes up with Isaac Likely, Kate Cunningham, and I think Bryce Williams, Avery Anderson, or other guys that will just lock the guy up in front of them in man to man defense. But they're also athletic enough, fast enough, and they have enough length that they can play more zone. And it's probably more effective just based on the roster construction that they have. I want to see them play. If they play a little bit more of that, I think that's going to neutralize that three-pointer that teams are able to, to make. And again, some of that is good offense is going to be good defense. I can't tell you how many times during that TCU game, Oklahoma State defended fantastic. Great rotations, great help, great on-ball defense. Shot went in. I mean, the, at some point, like there's only so much you're going to do. Oh, yeah. And, that, and that's the frustrating part about basketball too, is that you think it was a defensive breakdown, but it wasn't. They played good defense for 29 seconds, hand up, dude makes the shot like that's at some point it's just it's a good shot and it's a and it's a make you can't get down about that you just have to go down and make your shot and go and try and get a stop again you know and I, I, basketball is a fluky volatile sport and Oklahoma State's just getting they're just on the wrong side of the coin right now now they have to be able to find a way to get to flip flip it 
and get back and get some of those – some of the, the loose balls, those open shots, they're going to fall. Like, things are going to swing back Oklahoma State's way at some point. There's no way that they can go this long missing that many open shots. There, there's just no way. Like, this team is too good for some of those shots not to fall, for some of these, you know, defensive possessions to not swing their way at some point. Uh, it – it's you know I'm not hitting the panic button by any stretch. Are the last two losses? Do the last two losses suck? Absolutely. But I'm not going to hit the panic button until the end of the month, until the end of January. You know because I'm not mad about the loss of Texas no. at all. Oh no, I'm I not. Knew I knew they were going to lose that. I think it's I. I think it's you blow a game you shouldn't against TCU. Yes. And then you have a nice halftime lead on the road at Texas, and you give up a huge run. And you made it, you kept it close at the end, but you couldn't get the win. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things where my, my concern with this team, and again, look, they started 6-0 in non-com. That's awesome. I'm not trying to poo-poo the non-conference schedule. I said nice things about it. I think Marquette's pretty good. I think Wichita State's better than I thought. There isn't a team on there that they beat that you're just like, Ooh, yeah. Like, again, good win at Marquette, good win at Wichita State. But uh, you can't – the other thing that's weird, and I, I wonder if the loss to TCU was part of a weird trend where I believe at this point the road team in the Big 12 is like 6-2. and two. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it and, – and we talked about this before – um, when we were texting during the game, like Oklahoma State wins that game if GIA has eight thousand plus, like it does normally on a conference day. I I agree, I absolutely agree. The trick's going to be if that's the thing, then great, you got to go win those two. Okay, because I want to I want to go I want to look at this. Okay, so I want to know what the record is, and I'm kind of want to let you just go on a tangent while I try and figure that out. Let's see. So there's. I just I want to I want to say I need more from Likely offensively because he's only averaging ten points a game, but he leads the team in rebounds, and he's tied with Cade with three point eight assists a game. Yeah. So I think his offense is taking a backseat to some extent because he's having to do so much. So I'm not going to dog him. I think Rondell Walker is stepping up, but someone else has got to get offensive. Like. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't need to see much more flavors. Yeah, you're getting it in spurts from Bryce Williams. Moncrief has shown an ability to get uh, hot. Bam. Yeah, bam. yeah. Moncrief has been. He's been good. Um, I've, I really like what I've seen from him. Just stupid athletic, and once he is able to kind of control his body a little bit more, because he kind of reminds me. He's a more athletic Yorane in that he's super lanky and looks like a baby deer when he's running around sometimes. But you can tell the athleticism is off the charts. You get stretches. You, the thing is, you get stretches from pretty much everybody. It's just a matter of finding two guys that you can consistently go to for an entire game off the bench that I think is going to help this team a lot. I'll be honest. I've been really impressed with Avery Anderson. I didn't When he stepped in to start against Texas, he played really well. I really like his, uh, his defensive ability. He looks like after the UT Arlington game, he was way out of control way too often. I think he started – I think the speed of the game has finally come back to him a little bit. Uh, 
he's he's been impressive in his last couple of, of stints on the floor. He's a better shooter from the uh, mid-range and even from three now. Last season, he had that really significant hitch in his in his shot that I think hindered a lot of his outside shooting ability. That's a little less pronounced this year. The ball's coming out a lot more fluid. And if he can continue to play the defense that he does, it's going to translate onto the, on the offensive end too. And I think Bryce Williams is the same way. He's a defensive spark plug. Athletic is all hell too, my goodness. You know, you have, you have guys everywhere that I think you can go to. Obviously, Cade being 1A, B, and C, no kidding. But like I mentioned uh, after the first couple of games, you know you're what you're going to get from Cade. You're going to get 19 or 20, eight rebounds, six assists, you know, on a given night, if not more than that sometimes. From likely, you know you're going to get 10 to 12 and nine or 10 rebounds and six assists and two steals and a block and, and play locked down your best defender. You have to find it from one other guy in double digits or even more a night. It needs to be the second score, second leading scorer like R- Rondell Walker or Moncrief. I don't care who it is. It just needs to be somebody. And if you can get that a night, you're going to win a lot of ball games. but it can't just be Cade, likely, and then five or six dudes scoring six, eight points. Like, it's just not going to work that way. You need one guy a night that can go and get you 12 to 15, and you're going to be, you're going to be in much better shape. So, I was – thank you. I was doing my math while you were doing that. Uh, road teams in conference play so far are five and two. And the two home wins, West Virginia – squeaked by Iowa State 70 to 65 and Texas squeaked by Oklahoma State 77 to 74. Um, there's something in the Big 12 this year and I, it's weird because it's only in conference play. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's been a trend. I can't say it's been a trend across like the sport. So I'm not sure I have enough data to back this up. But through seven games, and I'm looking at tonight's games where it's looking like Texas Tech is going to hang on to beat Oklahoma on the road. Um, and Kansas and West Virginia are playing in Lawrence, so we'll see how that game goes. But even if Kansas beats West Virginia in, in, in Allen Fieldhouse, West Virginia has not won in Can- at Kansas since they joined the Big 12, that would make it 6-3. and three. I have to wonder if not having fans in the stands is affecting the home team to the fact of when you go on the road, you have to have a different mentality, right? Um, you, you have to go in and be more aggressive. You have to go in and be ready to play on the road. And I'm wondering if that on the road mindset is benefiting the road teams where the home teams you would think would be better off because the, they're used to the rims and those things. And maybe I'm just way off base. Maybe because I have, I have no data or proof or anything. I'm just curious if, if the only, cause the only explanation I come up with for the road team thing is people play on the road differently than they do at home. And is that benefiting the road teams because there's no home crowd? I, th- I think it's a completely valid point. Um, you know, GIA is 25% capacity and you could hear, you know, in TC, you can hear a little pop from the crowd every once in a while, but it's just not the same as when you get 13,000 in there that are going nuts for 40 minutes. It's entirely different. Same with Allen Fieldhouse. When Allen Fieldhouse gets going, good luck to anybody that comes in there because you're not going to win very often when, when Allen Fieldhouse really gets going. And, you know, they're West Virginia when that, when they get going, my goodness, 
you know, it, it's just, it's different this year. And I think, I don't think this is a trend that we're going to see continue when the vaccine is readily available. We're going to see more higher capacity crowds over the next season or two. Once we get back to those full capacity sellout crowds, I think that trend is going to swing back the other way and the home team is going to win more often. But I think, right. I think this is just going to be one of those weird years where it does the home field or home court advantage really doesn't matter. Yep. Six and two. Now we'll see what happens with Kansas and West Virginia. Uh, but it's six and two road teams. So, and as we've seen, Kansas State beat Iowa State on the road, TCU beat Oklahoma State. It's not just like, oh, the top ranked teams are going around to the unranked teams yeah. and beating them. It's not just that. It's just road teams. And the, the two home wins have been close wins Oklahoma State, Texas, and West Virginia, Iowa State. Like, Texas is better than OSU, West Virginia is better than Iowa State, and they both had tight games at home. Um, I know the Big 12 is always good, but there's, there's something going on, on here, man. And maybe it will adjust. Maybe we'll get to the end of the season and we'll be closer to 50-50. But it's something I'm going to keep track of this year because I'm really interested to see how that continues to go. For sure. Um, do you want to talk cheese bowl? Yeah. Uh, we chose not to bring a guest on for this show because who the hell knows if, A, the bowl game will actually get played, or, B, it will be played against Miami um, because – 2020 folks but yeah um cheese it bowl not the real cheese it bowl it's the new this is this is the great value cheese it bowl this isn't even what's the what's the like uh, a knockoff cheese it brand that's more what this one is yeah not because it's not the real in arizona pack 12 big 12 cheese it bowl of of yore it's 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 the camping world bowl with a better sponsor yeah. That said, it is the only bowl game that features two ranked opponents that is not a New Year's Six Bowl or a playoff game. Yeah. So there's a fun fact for you. I don't know how I feel about this game. Like, I, yeah, I, I want to be more. I want to be more excited for it. There's something about this bowl game, and I, and it's a weird thing. I would be more excited about like the Texas Bowl last year. You know, there's something about this particular bowl game, and I think it has to do with its location in Orlando, and it's the newer bowl game. It doesn't get the respect. It's, it's the only Big 12 ACC. I, I just – I just – it's. I know it's like the technically like the third place bowl, but, man, it just doesn't feel – I like the Texas Bowl in Houston. I like the Liberty Bowl, but that's because it's two hours away from me. I can go. Um, bad bowls are interesting. I just just something about this game. It's like the least interesting, and it's not a matter of the matchup. It's just the least interesting bowl game on the Big Twelve bowl game slate. So we have what we have. Like yeah. it's an intriguing matchup. Who doesn't want to play Miami? That's fun. Um, but I just, yeah. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. And I think part of the, the underwhelming factor for me is, damn it, we could have had a better bowl game. But the season – Don't lose TCU. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not only would you have a better – let me put it this way. Uh, you could have been in a bowl game against the Colorado team. You probably smoke in a better bowl if you don't lose the TCU. So you would have been in a better bowl game at Alamo against the worst team, Colorado, had you not lost to TCU. 
Instead, you get a worse bowl against a better opponent. Yeah, funny how that <laughs> like, works, right? Um, now, uh, I believe Miami will be about without both, basically both their like defensive ends. Uh, so they got to go to Young. Um, Dear King offers a pretty fun matchup for the defense. Oh man, he he. I know I've talked about this. I can't remember what we've talked about here, what I've talked about on my pod, and what I've just talked about with people because after a while, it all starts to run together because that's where my brain's at at this point. Fair enough. But without Redarius Williams, this defense doesn't work nearly as well. Mm-hmm. And since I believe he's going to the NFL, right? I'm not, I didn't make that up. Yes, he, he opted out of the, the bowl game and is preparing yeah. for the draft. But he, he's been nursing an yeah. injury since the pretty much the tech game. So. That's oh, yeah, no, 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 no. We're not – I've got no problem with that. It's probably the best oh, no, performance to not play. Yeah. But this, I'm not sure how well – how the defense will – now, granted, they're going to have plenty of time prepared to not have him. But I'm, I'm just – I'm curious how – that's my big thing. This – I don't know. I love bowl games, and I want to win the bowl game. Uh, I believe Mike Gundy is 9-5 and five in bowl games. Um, they cover a lot. Mike Gundy cares about bowl games. Mike Gundy wanted the, you know, there's a report that there was the big fight, part of the fight between Holder and Gundy was over bowl banners in the practice facility. Gundy cares about that stuff. Uh, Gundy, this is bowl game number 15 in a row. That's 15 straight bowl games. That is the currently the seventh longest active bowl streak right now. Two other teams ended theirs this year. OSU moved up two spots. It's not the seventh longest active bowl streak. We can... For all the crap we give Gundy, and I'm all fine with a lot of it, um, and we can debate whatever, I don't think people give that enough credit. It's not saying you won a national championship. It's not on that level. But I don't think we give enough credit to the fact that Oklahoma State has now gone to 15 straight bowl games under Mike Gundy. And I tweeted this out. Mike Gundy is one more bowl appearance away from having as many as the head coach, as OSU went to before he was the head coach. Think about that stat. Like, let that sink in for a moment. That OSU had gone to 16 bowl games before Mike Gundy took over. They'd gone to 15 with him in charge. I want that streak to keep going. I would like to be 10 and five in bowl games. Um, so I'm glad they're going to a bowl game. It's nowhere near me. I will watch it. I would love to beat Miami. That's a fun team to beat. It's nice to have a W next to Miami. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I you know what I like about watching bowl games, especially now, where you see guys that are going to go to the NFL draft that opt out, and I don't blame those dudes whatsoever. There's no <clears> point in getting hurt or risking that injury when you know you're going to go make a lot of money come April. And to the people that, that call those guys quitters, kick rocks. Anyways. No, um, no, 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 no. Choke, choke, choke on rocks. Like, honestly. I could say more mean things, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I've said them in Slack, but I'm not going to. Oh, 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 I got, I got some colorful creative language that if you would like to tell me I'm wrong and hit me up on the Twitters, uh, come at me, bro. My, my DMs are open. My mentions are open. Come on, man. Mm. Anyways, um, mm. I, I'm excited to see kind of 
maybe we get to a slight glimpse of what we could see from certain guys in 2021. Namely, I'm curious to see if Desmond Jackson and Dominic Richardson can continue this, you know, the run that they've been on, no pun intended here, of just the success they've been able to have at the running back position since Chuba Hubbard and L.D. Brown went down. Uh, you know, you saw uh, Desmond Jackson go for 235 against Texas Tech. He ran for, I think he ran for 100 against TCU, but they really kind of bottled him up in the second half. Dominic Richardson went, ran for 170 kind of out of nowhere against uh, Baylor, and that's a true freshman doing that. So that's going to be a big deal that you get a one-two punch they make me feel marginally better about the running back situation in 2021. I think you have a, a decent two deep and we still don't know what LB Brown's going to do. That could be a really nice three back system there, uh, which is going to help Spencer Sanders a lot as he continues to develop. Uh, I don't even know if we could say that because he's going to be a junior, but hoping that he can bounce back. And I do think I will say, and I, I mentioned a, a couple minutes ago that I, I do not blame guys for opting out and for not wanting to play in the bowl game because they don't want to risk injury. But there's something about Tylen Wallace still deciding, at least the reports are, that he's going to play in the bowl game. That dude's wired differently. That guy is going to go make a lot of money in the NFL. Kansas City Chiefs, please draft him. And it's going, you know, it's going to be cool to watch him play one last time. You know, we, we watched him play against TCU and he had the, the long touchdown catch. And I thought, and then he went over to the training table and it looked like his knee was hurt. And that was probably the last time we were going to see him on a football field in a Cowboy uniform. He didn't play against Baylor. And I thought, you know, that was it. And if that's his career, damn, he was really fun to watch. But to see him come back for one more game, it's, it's, I think that's just, that's special. And that's really cool. And I'm excited what we're going to get for him. All that said, what are we going to see from guys we're going to come back next year? Braden Johnson needs to take a step up. We need to see what we're going to get out of any, like throwing like a Langston Anderson or somebody else or get Brennan Presley involved. I want to give me something that gives me hope that the wide receiver room is going to be really good next year. Cause there's talent there, but I don't know if it's been tapped into or if it's just kind of, eh. I haven't, I haven't figured that out yet, but I want to see from guys that are going to return next year, how they involve themselves in the offense. Um, I would like to see someone other than Christian Holmes start opposite Jared Brown Converse. I would like to see, essentially, who is the next corner. Assuming Jared Bernard Converse comes back next season and starts, I want to see who's opposite him. Is it Thomas Harper? Um, does DeMarco Jones jump up? Is there is there a safety that they move over? Um, Maybe a, maybe a Tanner McAllister or a Canyon. I'm really going to see – we all know Christian Holmes. We know what he can and can't do. I don't need to see that against Miami. Show me something else. We saw – we have seen in bowl games before guys go out and other guys step in. We saw how good Trey Sterling could be and how good Kobe Harbor Peel could be in that Liberty Bowl a couple of years ago when guys had to step up. I want, I want that kind of thing. I want to see who's going to be the next corner – opposite Jared Bernard Converse for 2021. Um, obviously, Jelani Woods is gone. So we date Matt, Matt, Dayton Metcalf's last game, Joe, Logan Carter's last game. Unless, of course, they want to come back. I'm not assuming. I got into a debate with somebody on Twitter today. I just, I'm not going to operate under the assumption that anybody who is a senior is going to use the bonus season and come back. I just, I'm not going to. I think some might. I don't think very many will. Um, I just, I don't. 
I think most are going to be ready to go on and start their lives. I also think that most schools aren't going to necessarily love having them all back because that's expensive. It's they still have to pay for them. Yeah. Uh, well, you can, you're allowed to have that, but you still have to pay for all those scholarships, those kids who come back. So I think there's going to be some cases where schools are like, um, we're good. Yeah. So uh, at, at Cobweb Act, we'll see Carter and Metcalf. I'll be curious to see who the, I mean, is, does Braden Cassidy get shot here? Is Quentin Stewart? Um, I know they've got Austin Jarrett coming in. I'll be really curious there. I'm worried about the Cowboy Back position. I thought they used it a whole lot, but they're not going to have any. Um, yeah, I like the bowl game. Uh, we've seen Mike Gundy in years past get creative and get fun and, and, and really show out in the bowl game. I think they should. Mike Gundy cares about bowl games. You might as well go all out because we don't know what next season is going to be. Um, so have fun with it because it's the last game of the year. And I know nothing you do in this bowl game is going to make any OSU fan just like, yeah, this year was great. But you can't make it worse by losing to Miami. Okay, so or since we do being see... being conservative in a game that doesn't matter. Saw last year. But if there's one fun play or concept that Oklahoma State could possibly run, a la the James Castleman package on the goal line, is there a player that you'd like to see get a touchdown or get a play that normally would not? Because I have my I have my guy. Oh, a guy who would who gets it who would normally not get a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So then we're leaning defense, right? Essentially, that's, so theoretically, that's where I'm going with this. Yes. So name a defensive player you'd like to see score a non-defensive, an offensive score. Pretty much yes. Um, Part of my, my thought process is a little bit of like deserves the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I'm torn between two guys, Malcolm Rodriguez and Amin Ogbonga. So I remember uh, former Wagner High School quarterback, Malcolm Rodriguez. Give me a zone read on the goal line for Malcolm Rodriguez or a little, or a little Tebow pop pass, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I like it. Uh, yeah, have fun with it. Have have fun. Have fun with it. Twenty four. Like seriously, that, that cactus bowl was awesome because give me a fake field goal in this game early. If you get if you're if it's early in the game, it's a close game. You have a lead and you're setting up for a field goal. I don't trust our field goal kickers unless um, Alex Hale's back. Alex Hale's back. Run a fake line, put Tom Hutton out there. <laughs> Make everyone go, Why is the punter out to kick a field goal? And they'll let Ron, Tom Hutton run one in it. Hey, he played footy, man. He, he knows what he's doing. I know. Doing. He played rugby. Guys. That's what I mean. He played rugby. No, no, no. He so, didn't play rugby. He played Australian rules. That's right. He played. That's right. Thank you. Um, point is, let Tom Hutton kick a fake field, run a fake field goal play for a touchdown. If or, he doesn't get it, fine. But if he doesn't, if it gets close, just I'm not like like we're talking something inside the thirty, like lining up for a field goal yeah, from yeah. inside the opponent's or, like thirty yard line. Do it. Yeah. Or give me like uh, Dontari. So the the Chiefs a few years ago when they had Dontari Poe, who was like a three hundred and forty pound defensive lineman, they put him in <laughs> for a fullback dive. They call it Hungry Pig, right? Give me some version of that with like Cameron Murray lined up at fullback or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
or or even better, give me like an off tackle run with Calvin and give it to Calvin Bundage. Let him just run someone over because he would do it. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I don't. I don't feel like doing a score prediction for this one because I just don't have a good feel on this game. It, it's oh, a I got game. It's so tough to think about nothing. what's going to happen or if the game is even going to happen the way we think it's going to. So let's just skip right to the uniform prediction. What are you thinking for this one? Well, so we are basing our prediction off a tweet from the Cheez-It Bowl, right? That included the uh, Patriot Pete on a white helmet with the orange stripe. So I'm going to say, but they both had a white helmet. I don't know. I don't don't know who's the home on the road in this is the problem. Uh, You can go go one of each. I don't care. I know. Do we know yet? No, we don't. That's why I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. Do a home and a road. I don't care. This is our okay. last episode. Of the so year. my road, my road, give me if that's the helmet. There, I'm gonna stick with the helmet for both. By the way, because I would love to see Patriot Pete in this game. Yes. Uh, give me white, white, orange. If it's the road uniforms, I think that look good. Um, if they're gonna do Patriot Pete, they're gonna include orange. They're gonna incorporate orange in the uniform. So, I don't think you rock those with black. So, what is either white, white, orange, or white, orange, white? That's that's the feel for me. Now, I, I have a feel. I wonder if they pull out like all whites or something. They did the all blacks in the Liberty Bowl against Missouri's all whites, and it was um, clean, mm-hmm. clean. But I will say either white, white, orange off its road or white, orange, white if they're the home team. I'm going to go white, white, black. I think that looks really good, especially with mm-hmm. the, because the, the helmet has the orange face mask and the orange like stripe with the black in the middle. I think that's going to look really good. But if it's white, black, white is my favorite combination they never wear it. I love that because the orange pops so well off that black uniform, especially with the orange <laughs> face mask on the helmet give me white black white it looks so good when they did it in the when they did it in the camping world bowl against Vatech tech in 2017 that's the last time i saw oh, it and yeah. it looks so good on those new uniforms i want to see it again man do you remember how blah that bowl was yeah that was just so underwhelming i think it was because it was James I, Washington in mason ross last game and it was just like eh. like it was just, I, I think there's something about finishing in just like third fourth place that sucks Yes, especially um, when you had you knew you had championship expectations. I wish, and I I do think well, the Big Twelve doesn't need a bowl game in Orlando. Like I get it, it's for the players. You get to go to Orlando, that's cool. Um, well, we don't we don't recruit in Florida, uh, really. I don't think most of the Big Twelve really does. I would rather see a game. Well, I would rather see a bowl game not in Orlando. I, it's whatever. I would I would be curious. I would be really curious if you asked the players. Like, would you rather have a bowl game in Orlando or a bowl game somewhere else? Like, where would you rather go? Because I think if you're in that third, fourth spot, like, you want to go to – like, I don't know. I know the Liberty Bowl is not exciting because it's in Memphis, and I'm selfish because it's two hours away. That's the only reason I like it. But, like, playing in Texas, a lot of these kids are from Texas. A lot of these kids are from Oklahoma. It's an easy trip. Uh, yeah, I just – yeah, I don't know. I think I'd rather go out west, Arizona. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. Well, 
I think that will wrap up this episode. That'll wrap up uh, 2020 for this podcast. When we come back in 2021, our plan is to still have a new name for this for this podcast. Mm-hmm. We don't have one yet. Mm-hmm. So if you mm-hmm. have any suggestions, DM us, tweet us. We're still, we're workshopping something, but we will have that uh, when we come back in the first week in January. Phil, I mm-hmm. hope you have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I'm sure we'll text at some point during the bowl game between now and then, but you have a happy holidays, everybody. Yeah, guys. Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, happy New Year. I hope everyone has a, a nice, relaxing end to the year for them and what's been a 2020. I don't, I don't know what else. Shitty. Let's just call it what can't it think any. I can't think of any words that haven't been used a uh, 100,000 times to describe the show already. Um, and uh, I think we have college basketball to look forward to with Oklahoma State. I think we have uh, college baseball. Joe, you're uh, chomping at the bit about this team. And me uh, thinking about college how baseball, could be. man. There you go. So yeah, um, I'm 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 ready for the new year. So everybody enjoy the break. We're gonna enjoy the break. We'll be back next year. And uh, yeah. happy holidays, everyone. Go, folks. We'll talk to y'all soon.